read a story one time about a father who had to do what fathers have to do, especially if they have daughters. He had to talk to the boyfriend, find out about the boyfriend. A young lady had brought this one home that was supposed to be special, and so after dinner, the father took him into the other room and began to ask him questions. And he said, uh, what are your plans, young man? He said, well, I'm studying. I'm a biblical scholar. That's what I intend to be. And the father said, well, that's, that's interesting, but uh, what kind of job are you going to have? How are you going to buy a house for my daughter? He said, well, I'm going to study very hard, and God will provide. Father said, well, that's interesting and faithful and all that, but how about things like the engagement ring? You get money saved up? And he said, well, I'm going to concentrate on my studies, and, and God will provide for us. And he said, well, what if you have children? How are you going to support the children? He said, oh, I'll be working at my biblical studies, and God will provide. And it just went on like that. So finally the father dismissed the young man and went back to the rest of the house. And the mother caught him later and said, well, Dad, how did it go? What do, you, what do you think? He said, well, he's got no jobs. He's got no plans. And he thinks I'm God. <laughs> Fathering's tough business. Especially if you have daughters, I think. Uh, today's Father's Day, and we usually try to talk about things that are on everybody's mind and national holidays and all that. Uh, I, I don't really like speaking to just a minority of the audience. And so it's kind of hard just to say, all right, fathers, here's what you need to do, and here's the way things ought to go, and, and all that, because it leaves everybody else out. But in one sense, I guess... Uh, everybody in here had a father, uh, or still has a father, and uh, even young people can learn, I think, if we talk about a few things that we could tell a dad, thank you for. And that's the title of this sermon, is Thank You, Dad. Uh, what, what I want to do today is just give you three things that children ought to be able to tell their father thank you for. Now, there are, there's a huge list of things that I could pick from, and these are not necessarily the top three. I think they're just three that make real good sense today. Uh, some of you know that for almost 20 years I've been, kind of had a special interest in fathers and fathering. I uh, went to some training from the National Center for Fathering and have taught a fathering seminar about how to be an effective father for a, a lot of times. And, and some of that influenced what I've got to say here today. But let me, let me give you the, the three things. Number three is children ought to be able to tell their dad thank you for providing for them. Now, that's biblical. It's understood. First Timothy 5.8 says that if a Christian doesn't provide for his family, He's worse than an unbeliever. What that verse means is that that's the way the world works. It started that way after the fall. God said, man, you're going to have to work. Woman's going to have to suffer childbirth and a few other things. But that's the way this world is. Somebody's got to provide. 
through the sweat of their brow or uh, work has to be done and that's a father's job. Now, and we've talked about that before. I know there are other arrangements that work in some cases and special cases and all that. But in general, a child ought to be at some point in their life, be able to look back and say to their dad, thank you for providing for us, for working hard. We never wanted for anything. And we appreciate that. Now, when I say that, I know that there's a couple of mistakes that pop into some men's head. Okay, uh, One mistake is that they hear that and think, that's my only job as father. My job as a father is to provide. I provide. I work long, long hours at that. I, I make sure that they have everything. I make sure that they uh, have everything they possibly need and they never want for anything. And that's not your only job. Dads have a whole lot of other things to do, and we'll get to some of those in a moment, but providing is not the only job. To illustrate, let me tell you about a funeral that I was asked to do one time. <clears throat> it was actually a young lady I went to high school with that knew I was a preacher, and her father died, and they didn't have any church home or anything, and she asked if I would do his funeral. And I consented, and as is my custom, I went to the family's house and met with as many of them as was possible, and I always just start out and take care of some of the details about the funeral and where it's going to be and all that, and then I say, well, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mom. And people get to talking and telling stories, and I learn a whole lot about that person, even if I didn't know them. I think this was the saddest one I've ever done because when I asked that question and said, tell me about your dad, they all just sat there and looked at each other. And finally, one of them said, well, he worked hard. And he was, he was a successful businessman, had a business in town that if I named it, you would recognize it. He provided very well for his family. They had a nice house. They, the kids didn't need anything. But when I asked that question, tell me about him. He worked hard. Yeah, he, yeah, he worked a lot. Yeah, he was a good businessman. That was all I could get out of them. They didn't have any personal memory. So, so dads don't get confused when I say the third thing I want to tell you is to provide. Don't think that's the only thing you've got to do. You can do that and not be a very good dad. Second mistake that dads sometimes make is they think that providing for a family has something to do with the quantity of money that you make. And the more you make, the better you're providing. Now, kids don't need a whole lot. In fact, if you make a whole lot and give kids everything they possibly think they might want, you'll mess them up. Yeah? That's not the way to be a good dad, and, and kids will figure that out eventually. It doesn't really have anything to do with the amount. In fact, the studies show that kids, when we talk about providing, what they value more than the amount 
is the consistency, security. If you bring in a regular paycheck, or if there's always stuff, money there, if there's always things taken care of, nobody's wanting for the basics of life, kids are happy. They're secure. We, we don't think that much way anymore, but back in the old days, that's the way it was. There's a book written about the children of the Depression. They studied kids that grew up during the Depression years. And what they found out, the poorer they were, the better they made out in life. Okay? The less they had, the better they could handle life and handle crises and deal with things and, and take care of things themselves. It's, it's an opposite relationship to what we think sometimes. So dads, when I say provide, that doesn't mean you have to provide huge wealthy amounts of everything. In fact, sometimes that's bad. I think I told you before about Jack Welch and a letter he wrote. Jack Welch was a CEO of General Electric for many years. Uh, probably one of the best CEOs ever in the history of business. Uh, but one time, somebody that worked for him, Bill Woodburn, he was uh, head of one GE division, and he was offered a sizable promotion uh, to be over another division with a huge pay raise and all that, but he'd have to move. And he didn't want to move. His teenage daughter was in high school, and he didn't want her to change schools and all of that. So he told Mr. Welch that, no, I don't want to take that job. And here's the reasons. Uh, Jack Welch wrote him this letter. He said, Bill, we like you for a lot of reasons. One of them is that you're a very special person. You proved it again this morning. Good for you and your lucky family. Make your division a great business and keep your priorities straight. Jack Welch. It's not about always going up and taking the next step and making the more money and all that. Providing can be the very basics, and your kids will thank you for it. Second thing I would suggest to dads that children ought to be able to thank us for is the instruction that we give them, the things that we've taught them. And once again, that's biblical. passage that was read for you, Ephesians 6, 4, said, Fathers, bring your children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. You're supposed to train them. You're supposed to instruct them. You're supposed to bring them up. And beyond uh, the biblical thing, I, well, that's not right. I can't say beyond the biblical things because the Bible covers uh, all of secular life too. But that verse, Ephesians 6, 4, is not just about Christian things and church things. It's about real life too. It's about being a good citizen, about having a good work ethic, about all of those things. And fathers, you do that in a lot of ways. You instruct and train and bring up in a lot of ways. Now, one of the best ways is those corny sayings that you repeat a thousand times a year. The ones your children hate. The ones that they will someday say to their children. <laughs> even though they hate them now. And you all know your own. There's some, some standard ones, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, and uh, something worth doing is worth doing right, and those kind of things. You, you repeat those things over and over, and 
kids learn them, and eventually they're saying them to their own children. One that you say quite often is just wait till you have your own kids. You know, and they figure out that's finally actually true. Uh, so you can do it with those kind of things, but it, to train and instruct correctly, let me just propose two things. Number one, you got to train the right stuff. You got to train in, in the right areas. And today, especially, I think dads get off track sometimes. I think today, sports is probably the biggest downfall of dads and families. Okay? Dads get into that. Now, I know some moms do too, and I know there are other extracurricular activities that you can apply here. Uh, there's all kinds of different parents that this is their thing, and they want their kid to do this and all that. But let me just use sports as an illustration. Some dads do a whole lot of training and instruction in that area and spend a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort. If they took everything else as seriously as they take the sports, they'd probably be a lot better off. And I know sports are exciting, and everybody's got dreams that my kid is going to be this and that, and you think they're going to play in the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball or what? Let me just be real honest with you. If you think that, you're delusional. It's not going to happen. Now, I realize that offends some people. I've said that before from this pulpit, and I've had people come up to me and chew me out. They don't say that. Don't destroy their dreams. And my kid, I think, is good enough to make it. You're delusional. A very, very small, super small percentage are good enough to make a living playing a sport. Okay. There's a few more that can make a college scholarship out of it. But that number is still pretty small. Okay. So sports and all other activities, for that matter, need to be kind of put in the right perspective, if you will. Train the right stuff. Kids should be able to someday say, Dad, thank you for teaching me this. And that rarely is going to include sport. Not only train the right stuff, but train the right way. Now, when I read Ephesians 6.4, I didn't read it all to you. Some of you might have caught that. When I read Ephesians 6.4, I said that it says, bring your children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. There's another phrase in there. That other phrase says, don't exasperate them. Some translations say don't frustrate them. The, the current English version says, parents, don't be hard on your children. The Living Bible says, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Okay? Now, kids are loving this. They're writing those down. They say, okay, I got to tell the folks about that one. And, yeah, parents are supposed to make kids angry. That's all right. That's part of the job. But the, in, the inference there in that, that verse is don't do it the wrong way so that you frustrate them. 
Don't you exasperate them? One good way to say it maybe is be a coach, not a critic. Sometimes we as dads, that's where we start. It was with the criticism. You did this wrong, you did that wrong, and all that. And I know that's natural, and it's even worse in sports. But try not to do that. Try to be positive at least as much as you're negative. In fact, the experts say you're supposed to be ten times more positive than you are negative because that's what it does. One negative takes about ten positives to erase it. Now, I'm talking about this stuff like I know what I'm talking about. I didn't do all this right. My youngest son was a very good basketball player. He played basketball real well. That was the fortunate thing. The unfortunate thing was that he had a father and an older brother to critique him after every game. And that's the way it was on the way home in the car. However good he did, whatever he had done well, we'd cover that pretty quickly. And then it was on to the criticism. That's good you won the game, but, and here we went. Luckily for him, his mother was there, so she gave him the sweet stuff, and you just were perfect, and and all of that. But I'm sure we were way too critical on him. Now, grandparents understand that. You know, we don't much care how it turns out, the game turns out, or whatever. We're, We're positive. You were great, man. Well, dads ought to try a little bit more of that, and you'll learn that eventually, but try it early. So be a coach, not a critic in your instruction. Be more positive than negative. That's the first two, the third and the second, actually. Now the first one, number one. Children ought to be able to thank dads for illustrating life for them. I'll be able to tell us thank you for providing, for instructing, and for illustrating life. Let me tell you what I mean. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. You want to know how to live life, Paul said. This is quite a statement. <laughs> he told the Corinthians, you want to know how to live life, you just watch me. And then as kind of a caveat there, he said, as I follow Jesus Christ. I may not do that sometimes. I may mess up. Don't follow me when I mess up. But when I'm following Jesus Christ, you just follow me. Dads, I know when you hear that. Okay, I'm supposed to illustrate life to them. I'm supposed to show them how to live life. That's a scary thing. That's like i got to be perfect. Yeah, that's like i got to never make any mistakes. It's like i got to do it perfectly all the time. No, it doesn't mean that. Because they know you're not perfect. What it mean, does mean, though, is you got to think about it at least. you got to realize that that's the role you have, whether you like it or not. And some dads don't think of that. They think your mom will tell them that, or the school teachers will tell them that, or the youth minister will teach them that. No, Dad, that's you. You're the one that is illustrating life for them. That's the task you've been given. 
you, know, you look at the real world, and that's who kids imitate, especially sons. Okay? Whether it's good or bad, they follow dad's example. Okay? So dad, your kid ought to be able someday to say thank you for the way you illustrated life to me. Let me give you two examples, and these are exercises I do when I'm in doing the fathering seminar that maybe will help you understand this. You don't have to be perfect. Uh, one thing I do during the seminar is I give everybody a piece of paper and I say, okay, all you men write down one great thing my father did with me. One great thing my dad did with me. Okay. Now, and then I collect them and after break we read them and all that. I've done it enough times, I don't need to read them anymore. I know what they're going to say. And more importantly, I know what they're not going to say. I know I am not going to get one that tells about this huge, expensive, round-the-world trip or cruise or trip to Disney World or something that cost a whole lot of money or some exotic sport that, that nobody else could afford. I'm not going to get any of those. I never have. What I always get are little things, little day-to-day things that all have one thing in common, and that's time. Dad spent time with me doing this. And some of the most mundane things you can think of. You know, he took me to work with him on Saturday morning. He let me watch while he worked on the car. He played catch with me all the time. He took me fishing, just me and him. It's amazing how many people had that. Just me and him. Okay? Men, when you think about illustrating life for your kids, remember that. The one great thing that they'll think of. It's about you spending some time with them and something special. Now, it doesn't have to be something special. It's just time is special. Yeah. Second thing that may help you understand this, I have men make a list at one point. I say on one side of your paper, write down all the ways you're like your dad. And on the other side, I say write down all the ways you're different from your dad. And they write things like, I've got a work ethic like him, and I do this and this like him, and I do these things I do not like him. Okay? Once I get the list made, then I say, now go back through them and circle everything that's a good thing. Okay? And what they find out is, on the good side, on the things I'm like, there are some good things in there. And on the side where I'm different, there are some good things in there. The lesson is, people can choose, to some degree, what they imitate. Okay? My, I'm different from my dad. He was an alcoholic. I've chosen not to be an alcoholic. That's a good thing. Okay? So there's some like that, but there's some on the good side, too, on the, on the alike side. I'm a, my dad was a workaholic, and I'm a workaholic. That's not a good thing. And they figure that out that, yeah, I've made some choices, 
My dad was like this, and some things I've chosen to be like him, and some things I've chosen not to be like him, and some of those are good, and some of them are bad, and all of that. But it proves that we've got the ability to make choices. And I say all that to say this, that overall, we're a whole lot like our dads. Even when we recognize some of it isn't good. We're still a whole lot like our dads. Overall, you look at the problems in the world of crime and abuse and divorce and on and on and on, and you can trace it back generations. That's what kids see. So what I'm telling you is you don't have to be perfect, but you do need to understand that your kids are going to follow your role, your illustration, your, your example in a lot of ways. So think about it, realize it, and try to make that example one that someday they can thank you for illustrating life for them. Provide, instruct, illustrate life. Those may sound like kind of big jobs, but you don't have to be perfect in any of them. Just think about them and do them the right direction. I usually close the seminar with a story about a baseball player, and I think I've told you it before, but I like it so much I want to close with it again. It's about a father who was a semi-pro baseball player. Uh, Not very high in the ranks, but he played some lower-level professional baseball. His son asked him one time, he'd read about the Hall of Fame, and he said, how do you get in the Hall of Fame? What do you got to do to get in the Baseball Hall of Fame? And the dad told him, he said, you mean like Dave Booth and Lou Gehrig? He said, yeah, I like that. And his dad said, you got to be the best of the best. you got to be the best of the best. You have to be very special. Well, the kid grew up thinking about that. And when the kid was 18 and his dad was 50, the father died of cancer. But the kid always remembered, you got to be the best of the best. But when the kid was 41, he had an opportunity. He was in that part of the country, and he got to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame for the first time. And so as he went, before he went, he found an old picture of his dad and his dad's baseball team in their uniforms. And he took that picture with him to the Hall of Fame. And he wrote on the back of it, You were never too tired to play catch. On your days off, you helped build the Little League field. You always came to watch me play. You were a Hall of Fame dad. I wish I could share this moment with you, your son, Pat. He wrote that on the back, and he took it to the Hall of Fame, and under one of the display cases, he lifted up the corner a little bit and slid that picture under there. So his dad could have a place in the Hall of Fame. Well, about five years later, the Hall of Fame was rearranging exhibits and changing things, and somebody moved that case and found the picture. So they passed it on to a reporter at Sports Illustrated. They said, this is kind of interesting. You might want to run a picture of it or something. Well, the guy at Sports Illustrated got interested. And so he started trying to research it and had the team name on the uniform and about the time and all that. So he started researching, and he finally tracked down 
that team and where it was. And then he started looking for people in that team, and he finally found one member who knew who Pat's dad was. And so the Sports Illustrated guy wrote a short story about this unknown semi-pro player who made it to the Hall of Fame. You see, dads don't have to be superstars to be the best of the best. You just got to be the best of the best to your kid. You got to provide, you got to instruct, you got to illustrate life for them. If you do it the right way, you'll be the best of the best. You'll be a Hall of Fame dad. I answered a Know Your Bible question the other day. A woman had written in and asked a number of things, and partway through it, I said, you didn't mention whether you were a child of God or not. See, that makes a difference. That makes a big difference in how I would answer the question. Children of God have special benefits. Most of us in here have been adopted by God. There's a few in here that haven't been adopted by God. Uh, some of you, because of a timing thing, you're not old enough. You have to be old enough to understand what you're doing to accept that adoption. But there's some others in here that haven't been adopted by God. You understand what it's all about, but you haven't decided that you want to be adopted yet. He wants to adopt you. Our Heavenly Father wants to be a father to you. If you can make that decision today, we'd rejoice with you. If you can decide today to be a better dad, that would be a great thing today too. But if you want a relationship with your heavenly father, we encourage you to come. Let's stand and sing.